When it comes to family finances, we know life can get complicated. Caring for our kids, helping our parents, planning our own futures. At Firstly.com, you'll find the advice and tools you need to make the best decisions for your family. Find out more at Firstly.com. Welcome to Club Sandwich, where the music is great and the stories are real. Each week, we talk about life in the middle, the middle of raising kids, nurturing careers, and navigating the ever-changing needs of our aging parents. I'm Jennifer Owens. I serve as editorial director at Firstly, the first financial wellness platform designed specifically for the sandwich generation. I'm also the mother of two, wife of one, and the daughter and stepdaughter of my children's grandparents. I know firsthand how complex family life can be and how it can change in an instant. I also know how hard it can be to prepare for the future, especially one that impacts our kids and our parents, let alone ourselves. Our guest today knows this too. Laura Raleigh, thank you so much for sharing your sandwich story with us today. No, thanks for having me, Jennifer. I'm delighted to be here. Okay, so you and I are very similar. We are editors and writers by by training, by force. I don't know. How did we come into (laughs) these things? But that's what we do. You own a content strategy firm. You're a journalist. You're an author of six books including the personal finance guide, money and happiness. So you certainly know your way around a balance sheet and you're the mom to three daughters in various states of launching into their own lives. Do you consider them launch? What is your sandwich story? Walk us through. Thank you for that nice introduction. So my oldest is 24, has been out of college two years and just got a big raise, new job and is moving into her own. Oh, that's exciting. So that's exciting. We can say she's launched, right? She's launched. I mean, I'm going to footnote that. I'm going to come back to that. Okay. All right. Asterisk. All right. (laughs) Yes. My (laughs) middle daughter just finished college. She finished a semester early and then worked this last spring and is starting graduate school at University of Iowa in speech language pathology. And then my youngest, I'm dropping off in a couple of weeks at University of Vermont. So I would say they're launched. The only thing is... It's so much harder, I feel like, for this younger generation. The financial things they need to do are so complex. Like my daughter asked me to, when she was moving into this new apartment, the amount of things she needed to send to this landlord to prove who she was, to prove her credit rating, to you know show her employment was so complex. And here she had just really? started a new job. So she reached out to me and said, would you help me with this application form? Because... I am overwhelmed. I have this new job and I need to navigate this form. And it felt like she was applying for a mortgage, you know? Yeah. Cause do you remember like your first, I mean, we got apartments when we were in college. They could not have asked me for anything. Oh, no, no. And it was like, you bring, you know, you'd all be like, I got 10 bucks. I got, oh, we'll just bring it right. over. Lord, bring over our pile of cash, you know? Mm-hmm. And then my middle daughter the other day could not figure out the vision insurance, you know, oh. all the way to an appointment. And they told her on the phone they were in network. And then she got there and they were not in network. And, you know, it's all of that complexity that we did not have in our early 20s that I feel like I am still helping them navigate. So there's that. And then on the sandwich side, my mom just turned 90. And she has pretty advanced dementia. So she has a caretaker who lives with her. And my siblings and I support her financially at this point. My dad died uh, about 18 years ago, but he did a fabulous job of saving for her. One of my brothers is an accountant. One was in financial services and they did the calculations and knew she's going to run out of money at age 92. So we started 
about two years ago, contributing X dollars a month per sibling. And my brother has been keeping this in a fund so that if she runs out of money, we're two years ahead of the game. Wow. I should say I have 10 brothers and sisters. So my sandwich story is so much easier than most people's. Well, because you're all able to work together. Can you imagine if you had 10 people that were not talking and hadn't agreed to this? I mean, yeah, that's great. I know. I know. I remember we had this moment where we were all sitting around my brothers at Christmas, all 11 of us discussing like, you know, mom's starting to get dementia. What are we going to do? And I'm so blessed, you know, that my siblings are all on the same page. Everybody stepped up to the plate. We had a period of time where we would give her caretakers weekends off by visiting her. We mm-hmm. divided the whole year. We knew what weekends we were going. We shared a Google Doc. Like wow. it was kind of amazing. And that's a testament to my parents, how, what great people they were. You go off into the world, you and your siblings, like we'll all take a skill that we'll need for mom. I'll have, we'll have the accountant. We'll have the communicator. Well, <laughs> there's a nuclear engineer in there. Not yeah, that, somehow that helps. I like it. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So about 10 years ago, one of your books was Money and Happiness. And my immediate thought is the absence of stress is happiness. Like, you know, I don't know if dealing with mom's care makes you happy, but I'm just wondering, like, what did you find out in that book? What are the lessons? You know, what's turned out to be most valuable? So I wrote that book in the 1990s. I was a producer reporter for CNN business news, covering the markets and personal finance. And I decided to get a divinity degree at night at New York Theological Seminary, just because as you do, as you do, as one does, (laughs) (laughs) just because I was so interested in, uh, you know, I, I was raised Irish Catholic and people would always say, well, it says this in the Bible and therefore we should do that. And I'm a student. I'm an, you know, somebody who really likes to engage in things intellectually. And I thought, well, what did it say in the original language in the first century in that socioeconomic political context, you know? And so I went back and I got to study Greek and I got to study Hebrew. And I came out of that experience with a deep interest in values and values-driven decision-making. And, you know, I've always been fascinated with this connection between psychology, philosophy, beliefs, and then the choices people make. And I grew up without a lot of money. So it kind of all came together in this book. And the, yeah. the underlying message is if you, if you can identify your values really clearly and align and manage your money with them, you will find well-being. So it's 15 years later. And that advice actually did work for me. I ate my own soup. I like, <laughs> I applied all those lessons. <laughs> To raising my children and it, it worked out really well, I have to say. Well, and so now with your kids being, I refer to them all as semi-adults, as someone who has teens in their life too. Do you see some of those values reflecting back quite yet? Or do you think it'll have to seep a little longer for the, the younger ones, <laughs> the next oh, generation? Oh, holy cow. My kids are so good with money. It's kind of a really mess. yes. They're super hardworking. They're super enterprising, like the babysitting, the dog walking. My 14-year-old talked herself into a real job at the yogurt shop at 14. You know, she yeah. figured out a way to get herself hired, even though she wasn't 16. So I mean, I would say the one sort of thing that I feel a little bad about is my kids are hypervigilant about money. I think because I talked about it so much. Yeah. But yeah. but they're also really clear about the fact that you have choices, right? And if you define what you value and use your money that way, you actually can get what you want, right? The whole thing is not to waste money on things that are related to status or things that are related to all my friends are doing it. So I got to do it too. Like, you know, the thing for me with the kids, we drove a Kia until that thing went into a death spiral and died. But 
my kids have been to like four countries in Europe because yeah. I knew that travel is a really important part of personal development. And uh, that's what I wanted to do as a family. And so I was going to make that happen. And I figured out like that meant studying those, you know, the airline miles guy, you know, and figuring yeah, out yeah. it's cheap and then Airbnb and then, you know, budgeting and being systematic about saving for those things. So it's nice. I do see my kids being thoughtful about money. So that's kind of nice. That is nice. You know, and life will only become, and their finances will only become more complex. So starting from a solid foundation, you know, hopefully the future, the house they build on top of that foundation, will it'll lead them in a way that that's a strong financial house for them. Yeah. I mean, the other thing I would say is I am a huge believer in raising kids in a diverse environment. And so we moved to the Midwest when my kids were in middle school and high school, and I enrolled them in a public school that was like 40% uh, free reduced lunch and a huge immigrant population, like kids from Sudan and Somalia and Burma. Yeah. Because I think like a huge part of living rich is mm-hmm. having a generosity of spirit and weaving that into the way you move in the world. Yeah. And yeah. so I would say the thing like I'm super proud of my kids is like my oldest who lives in LA carries these little like bags in her car that have a bottle of water and a granola bar and a pair of socks so that when a homeless person comes up to her car, she has something to hand them. Oh, for goodness sakes. That's amazing. My other daughter is getting so much blood. I'm like, you are going to be anemic. You need to stop. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know, just seeing them be generous to other people, to me, I'm like, okay, that's the biggest payoff of saying you need to be earning, saving, Good with money, right? giving in ways that are meaningful to you. Yeah, I love it. Well, and, and so let's talk about moving because you wrote an article I remember talking to you about this before you had pulled it all together about the trend. You had identified this trend of people moving out of cities, like where I live in Brooklyn, and moving to places like Iowa, where you moved. And then you turned it into an article. You brought all the research together. And then the pandemic hit. And everyone seemed to say, yeah, that's a great idea, Laura. (laughs) So I'm wondering, like... Like, what did you experience in making that change? I mean, that's as someone who came from a small town, you know, the whole deal was to get to the big city and then to to decide to leave. That's, you know, tell me, tell me all about that. Yeah, I know you have that song playing in your head like, oh, I didn't make it there. You know, yeah, I have to get out. Yeah. (laughs) But I've spent uh, 15 years in Manhattan and almost 10 in a suburb 16 miles outside Manhattan. And I had the three kids and I had a big job where I was commuting an hour and 10 each way. And all the three kids were in private school and the commute was hellish and our property. You were doing it. You were covering all the bases. Yeah. (laughs) I would get up at like five in the morning to run with a bunch of women in my neighborhood because that was the only thing keeping me sane. And then my husband at the time, no, my ex had a stroke and it just broke the camel's back. I could not do it anymore because I was some mornings when it was my carpool day, I was driving my oldest daughter 25 minutes to school, then 25 minutes back, then parking the car, then running to the train, then commuting in an hour and 10. Like there were some days yep. I would up at six and get to my desk at 9.15 and taking care of my husband and taking care of my kids. And my company happened to be based in Des Moines, Iowa. I had a team of people in Seattle and a team in New York and a team in Des Moines. And I said, hey, how would you feel if I was based in Des Moines, you know, where the C-suite is? And they said, yeah. we don't care where you're based. And so I went to my husband and I was like, how would you feel about moving to Iowa like in maybe a year? And he was like, 
I love the idea. And if we're going to do it, we should do it immediately because our middle daughter was a rising freshman in high school. And then he said, did the private school cash the check? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. It's so hard to get the check back when you've given it. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yeah. Fortunately, they had not. But then when I got to Iowa, I thought, oh, you know, it was just me. I couldn't make the coasts work for me. You know, I love New York. I'm moving back to New York, actually. But then I started doing some research. I started meeting people from London and San Francisco and Washington, D.C. and Los Angeles who had done the same thing and moved to Iowa. And I was like, what are you guys doing here? And I started doing research then. And and what I realized mm. is it's not you. It's systemic. The yeah. cost, average cost of a four-year college degree in the U.S. rose 500% since the time I went to school. That's twice the rate of inflation, right? Yeah. Over, you know, has their Joint Center for Housing Studies has found home prices across the US doubled between 2000 and 2016 in a dozen metro areas where where all the jobs are, where we were in those suburbs right. right outside New York. I mean, we bought our house for just under 400 in 2001 and I looked on Zillow, it's at 900,000 now. You know, so that's unsustainable. It's right. Well, it's sustainable if you're in tech or finance because your wages are going up with inflation. Yeah. But it's not sustainable if you're, you know, at the time I was, uh, you know, running video production for a big media company. You know, it's not sustainable yeah. if you're a teacher or a public servant. You know, so what I found when I moved to the Midwest was not only did we <laughs> let go of all of the, you know, the private school cost, the crazy property taxes, the commute. <laughs> all of that, but we moved to a town that had a very robust middle class. And so the stress on my children went down tremendously, tremendously, because they could see other students who were completely chill about the concept of college, where where we lived right outside Manhattan, there was almost like a, just a a sense of panic among the parents that if I don't get my kid into an Ivy League school, they will fall into poverty. Which is understandable. I mean, to me, it all goes back to like the bifurcations of income in this country. The middle class is disappearing. So it is a legitimate concern to think my kid will fall out of the upper middle class and into poverty. Right. But then you right. get to the Midwest and you're like, oh my God, like we, we had to live in a hotel for a while until our house closed. Yep. And we got to be friends with the doorman and he was super great guy, played in a band. His kid went to great public schools. He owned a house. He owned a car. He had a really good life here. And he was the doorman at the hotel. So, you know, like that guy in New Jersey would be living in a basement apartment and his kids would yep. be in their schools and he would not have, you know, a car and he would not be have time to play in a band because he'd probably be working a second job on the weekends. My kids could breathe and I could breathe. So anyway, I do hope to finish that book someday because I think people blame themselves who live in these expensive cities on the coast. Like I must be doing something wrong. I just need to work harder. I can't make it work. Yeah. If I just work harder. Right. To have fewer lattes. It's like, it is not. I know. And it is not not the freaking coffee. Yes. I completely agree. Like you should be able to treat yourself to a, you know, whatever kind of coffee you'd like in the morning. That's, that's the life we all should have. If that's, if coffee is important to you and it may not be. My kids were in a quote unquote diverse suburb of New York, but they didn't see any poor kids. You know, no. It was, it was ethnically diverse. It was racially diverse. It was religiously diverse. It was not socioeconomically diverse because only the people who had a certain income could afford to be 16 miles from Manhattan. So, right. you know, moving to a place that nobody else wanted to live—that's <laughs> the you know five hours from Chicago and three hours from Kansas City and three hours from Minneapolis. 
And my kids had a better experience of what life funny? is really like. It's prepared them better for the challenges of life and it's prepared them better to be just kind. At firstly.com, we know life can get complicated. Whether you're saving for college, navigating elder care, or thinking ahead to retirement, there's always something to watch out for. That's why we've created Firstly, the first financial wellness platform designed specifically for those of us in the middle, in the middle of kids, parents, work, and life. At Firstly, we offer the advice, insight, and tools you and your family need to get your finances where you want them to be. Together, the Firstly Family Budgeting app will help you and your family track money and set savings goals together, and it lets you and your family see your complete financial picture all in one smart app. And you can be the first to try the Firstly Family Budgeting app coming this September to your phone or desktop. Sign up today for early access and to get the financial wellness tips you need to build financial wellness for your family at firstly.com. Well, and now your kids are semi out of the house with a bunch of asterisks all over the place. <laughs> and so <laughs> what are you thinking? So you faced a moment where you're empty nest time, like that you could live anywhere. That yeah. world is remote now. So what did you think? What happened? So um, my husband and I split during COVID. Um, that was a long time coming. We had been married 28 years and we had just grown apart. And so my youngest was headed to college. So, um, yeah, I found myself like, wow, I can move anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Aruba, here I come. That is oh, my go-to place. I've never actually been to Aruba, but I always say, I just like saying it. <laughs> well, Costa Rica was definitely high on my radar. I love Costa Rica. But I decided I'm going to live in New York uh, four or five months a year. And I bought my brother's condo in Texas, in Houston. Because I don't want to be in the Iowa winters anymore. Yeah. And Texas is uh, much friendlier tax-wise. And once you get to a certain income, state taxes get to be meaningful. You know? Interesting. I mean, that is a huge factor. So given your choice, why yeah. not follow the financial benefit? Yeah. And like I do that. have family there. And one of my biggest clients has a big office there. And it's warm. And... Mm -hmm. Also, my brother was like, I'm selling this place and I'm, I'm going to leave everything, the furniture and everything. And I was like, oh, Done. yeah, <laughs> bonus. So I'm, I'm technically now a Texas resident, but I will spend, you know, about four months a year in Manhattan, which I love. And I have a time. If only so we can have lunch. I appreciate you yes. making that happen for me. So thank yes. you. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm so excited because it's the energy of the place. I mean, the thing I love about Manhattan is just the energy of the people there, you know, the striving to be better and to grow is yeah. so inspiring to me. Cause I feel like I have a lot of, my kids are launched, but I am really excited about like kind of crushing it in my business. Now that you're not distracted by like making peanut butter and jelly. Sandwiches. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, and school pickups and all that sort of, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Switches or switching laundry or, you know, all that stuff that you have to do as a parent. You're very inspiring. You always are to me. Aww thinking about my first child is going into college this year. So you're just ahead of me on the horizon of thinking, mm. Ooh, why can't I write a new chapter when the kids are out of the house? Like, why can't, who says, like, I hadn't even thought of that. It's just, it's all about right now, you know, paying tuition. That's all it is right now and getting her into the dang dorm. So, yeah. but, but what about me? 
You know, what about me? What about my partner? What about it? Like, what could we do next? It takes you time too. like, you know, when you're raising kids, you're in the groove of others. So true. Yeah. Five years. I I mean, I got to that point where I was like, I have no idea what I want to do. I haven't haven't done what I wanted to do for 25 years. Exactly. You know, of course, we're always going to be parents and whatever. But that that day to day, I am coming to the end. I have another three years to go for high school and Lordy Lou doing the college search again. Yeah. But I got to tell you, Jennifer, here's what you have to look forward to. It gets so fun. It gets so fun. Uh, They come home and they'll be like, I'm going to make dinner tonight. And you're like, what? What? Thank you very much. Go right ahead. My middle daughter and I went to Ireland to celebrate her graduation Uh, from college. And all of a sudden there's like, she comes to me like, I planned all the places we should go. Here's the links to where you should buy the tickets to get, you know, see the book. Oh, my Lord. (laughs) You know, can I hold that? I can do that. I'll take care of that. And you're like, oh my God, they're adults. And now I have like fun adults to hang out and do fun things with. You know, they were always oh. fun. But they're so helpful now. It's really fun. That is a that is a gift. So fun to see them do something they're excited about. Yeah. It's pure pleasure. Oh, so happy. that's awesome. I look forward to that. I, I have little glimpses of it, but I am we are not there yet. You know, they were still <laughs> Still, like they need a firm hand of like, no, sweetheart, you need to fill out the medical forms for your. Yeah, yeah but... you got to bring it. You know what I mean? As a parent, like it's not a job for the faint at heart. No, like, uh, you know, a, a mutual friend of ours used to tell me that I was hard on my kids. You know, <laughs> I would tell her like the kid would say like, oh, I want to buy such and such, and I'd be like, okay, so what's your plan for that? How are you going to save money to get that? You know, and she was like, yeah. you're so on your kids. And I was like, but that's the job, right? Right. You've got to be oh, yeah. supportive enough, but hard enough to get them to this age where they can do it themselves. And my goodness, when they get there, holy cow, it's super yeah. fun. It's such, such a happy time. It's no wonder the happiness goes up in your 50s because all oh, the things you sure. feared, all the bad things that you thought were going to happen from them, like drowning in the pool when they were three to like... <laughs> Dropping out of school and getting bought, you know, head to toe tattoos yep. did not happen. <laughs> Yay! I win. <laughs> exactly. I won the game. <laughs> oh man. Well, so can we look ahead further? Like, can you think about retirement? And I'll say that I do not. Like, I am, you know, I save for retirement, but it's just beyond me to think of like what it could look like. With your kids at this age, can you look ahead to that or do you? Yeah. I mean, I guess I was really lucky because, you know, my parents had 11 kids and my dad was all about the ABCs, the one, two, threes and the power of compounding. (laughs) Seriously, he would talk to me about money. You know, their parents were immigrants. So it's like that immigrant mentality. Mm. And so I started saving for retirement when I was 21 and saved consistently over the years. I mean, sometimes like saving for college took precedence. There were a couple of there where it ha- it was like looming and I had to focus on college, but now I, I have a plan and I know when I'm going to be done and I know how much I need. The other thing is, it's so interesting. When I used to write a personal finance column, I found this professor who had discovered that there is sort of almost like a genetic propensity to plan. There's people who love to plan and that mm-hmm. is, I love to plan. I love to plan vacations. I love to plan like, and yep. when you have that gene, managing money and planning for retirement is so much easier because you enjoy it, right? 
I mean, it's it's a good thing they've automated 401ks because I think most people don't enjoy it. But I enjoyed like when my kids were born, I set up 529 plans and I went to one of those college calculators that said, this is what a public education will cost in yeah. 20 years. And then I backed into it. How much am I going to need to save in 20 years, 10 years, five years, one year, this month, this week, today? To get to that goal, if my money grows at, you know, seven, whatever, yeah, which turned out to be kind of like conservative. I got really lucky, like rode the waves. Like, yeah, I yeah. foolishly left my youngest daughter's money in the market, you know, which you're not supposed to do once they get yep. to be like freshman yep. high school, you're supposed to take it out. Well, I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> oh, yeah, the gains over the last four years are insane. So oh, I know. I took all the money out. Now it's out. But I found that approaching everything I wanted that way, you know, where you're just backing it in, just do the numbers, just back yeah. it up. Right. Don't get, don't be scared. If you don't get there, you'll get close or you'll get closer than if you don't do that exercise. Right. 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 And don't freak yourself out. Don't be like, Oh my God, in 20 years, you know, in, in 10 years, I have to send my kid to college and the cost will be $600 million. Like yeah. just figure out what it is and say like, well, can I, can I do 20% of that? Can I do 40% of that? Because as it turned out, my kids went to a public high school that had concurrent college courses. They all went into college with 20 to 30 hours of credit under their belt. So we didn't have to pay for that last semester. And then my middle daughter got, she went to private school, but she got a scholarship that made it cost the same as public yeah. school. There's a lot of options out there. So just like do the planning and then hope for the best, you know, and ask your kid like to, they should do part of it. Get a job, you know, it's good for them. <laughs> Exactly. Get a job. And <laughs> and we'll try not to say it with that tone. We'll be more like, get a yeah. job. You know, the, the, job. that'll be helpful. It'll be so fun working at the yogurt shop. <laughs> You'll love it. It'll be great. Think of all the yogurt you'll have. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Exactly. Oh, well, thank you so much for joining me in the club on Club Sandwich. It's been great oh. having you. It's so great to talk to you, Jennifer. It's just such a fun podcast and you have such interesting guests and, you know, I'm honored to be included. <laughs> I hate to tell you, but you're one of them. <laughs> Aww, thanks. Are you living life in the middle? Share your story with the editors at editors at firstly.com. Please take a moment to rate and review our podcast. It really helps us grow. And of course, if you could use a little extra financial wellness help, visit firstly.com created specifically with the sandwich generation in mind. Let me know what you think. And until then, I'll see you each week in the club. Club sandwich. <laughs> <laughs>